Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Oh, hi. Hello there. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And I am your host, Liv. And gods, 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 do I love Euripides. I don't remember if I've already said this on the actual show. Uh, It comes up on a future conversation episode that has not aired, but maybe somewhere else. But sometime next year, we are going to do a whole damn series on Euripides like I just I cannot resist any longer we're gonna talk about him as a person a playwright whatever and everything that I can possibly find he's just so damn fascinating and his plays are so incredible and they're so funny and weird and tragic and ugh. which is why this series on Iphigenia among the Torians is gonna be four episodes long rather than the you know the three I usually aim for uh because there's simply too much to say about these dramatic siblings and their tale of tragedy and, well, he won't give away what's coming. Before we dive back into this play, though, just a reminder that I will be doing the annual New Year Q&A episode in January, so get your questions or requests in via the form on my website. It is mitzvaby.com slash questions, and it's linked in the episode's description. And for those following along about the first Myths Baby group trip to Greece, wild, uh, the deadline for applying that for that has passed, but people will be hearing from me and Antonia, the wonderful travel agent that I've been working with uh, very soon. I really hope that it all goes smoothly and everyone loves it too, because this could just be the start of an annual trip. So if you missed it, stay tuned for 
everything and anything in the future. All right, enough introduction. There is too much Euripides still to get through, and so little time. Where we last left off this oh-so-cursed family of Argos, like it is endless, Iphigenia is a priestess of Artemis far off in the east in the land of the Taurians, a very real people who are entirely fictionalized in Euripides' account of them here. She's there because, well, her father Agamemnon sacrificed her to Artemis for a bit of good wind to take him and the Greeks to Troy, and instead of letting her die, at the last minute, Artemis swept Iphigenia off to the Taurians, where she has been ever since. And gods has a long time passed. So long that when she last saw her family, well, everyone was alive. It's quite different now. But most importantly, her little brother Orestes was just a baby all those years ago, and now he is all grown up. Not only is Orestes all grown up, but he is now also among those same Taurians with his good pal Pilates, hoping to steal the cult statue of Artemis, the only thing that's supposed to free him of the curse of the Furies. And he's cursed because, well, he killed their mother, Clytemnestra, because she killed their father, Agamemnon. Before Orestes ever arrived on those shores, though, Iphigenia woke from a dream of Argos burning, of tragedy, and she's interpreted this as meaning only one thing. Her brother, Orestes, is dead, and she can only mourn him from afar. She thinks he's dead, we know he's actually closer than she could ever realize, and Euripides intends to build the tension. There's no secrets being kept from us or the ancient audience, just this simmering uncertainty of when and how the secret will be revealed to the characters and what horrors might happen before that comes about or after for that matter. Orestes and Iphigenia, where we last left them, have been speaking about that family in Argos though neither of them know who they're speaking to, and neither of them have admitted that they are part of that cursed family. Instead, Iphigenia has just suggested that she's interested, because that's where she's from. And Orestes has just told her that it's also where he's from. And when asked, he explained about the deaths of their parents, without noting that they are, indeed, his parents. Iphigenia has just in this moment learned that not only was her father murdered by her mother, something she's not that angry about, because, you know, he did sacrifice her life, but also that Clytemnestra's own child killed her in response. This is episode 240. Orestes, captaining the ship of catastrophe, Euripides's Iphigenia among the Taurians. Iphigenia is horrified to learn that her brother killed their mother, though she's yet to learn that the very same sibling is the man telling her the story. Instead, she asks this man, who she doesn't know is Orestes, why Orestes killed their mother, to which his reply is simply to avenge their father. Iphigenia doesn't question this. In fact, she praises the act as righteous, given its purpose. But Orestes reveals, quote, Righteous or not, he wins no grace from gods. 
Iphigenia isn't ready to question what that means, though. She still needs to learn more about what might remain of her family, if anyone does remain. She asks the stranger, so she believes him to be, if there wasn't another child left in Argos after the death of Agamemnon and Clytemnestra. Yes, a daughter, she's told. Her name is Electra. To which Iphigenia adds, as though she's only just curious if her memory is correct, quote, Is there not some tale of another daughter sacrificed? And in response, she is told, quote, None except she's dead and looks no more upon the daylight. Can't imagine what it's like to be told of your own death by sacrifice in such a cold manner. She doesn't seem bothered by it, though. She's long since accepted that she has been believed dead at home this whole time. Instead, she just says that she pities the girl and the father who killed her. His sister's death, Orestes calls, quote, a thankless gift to an evil woman. And so we continue this blaming Helen for the Trojan War, despite her having absolutely no control over what's happened. Humanity does have a habit of blaming the innocent for their own suffering. It makes it easier to fight meaningless, money- and resource-driven wars when you get to separate yourself from the blame. Euripides emphasizing this, though, never ceases to interest me, given he also wrote an entire play about how it wasn't really Helen's fault, and she wasn't really even there. But even Greek tragedies are classical reception. Each play gets to have its own views on the same topics, despite whatever the playwright himself might have thought. Orestes and Iphigenia, oh, they've been taught to blame Helen for the war over anyone else. Iphigenia's main concern, though, and what she questions next, is about her brother. Is he alive? She asks this man she believes a stranger. And Orestes tells her, quote, He lives in misery, nowhere and everywhere. Her dream, then, Iphigenia now learns, was wrong. Her brother isn't dead after all. The gods, Orestes replies, are no more reliable than dreams. Listening to this, the the chorus of Greek women kept captive alongside Iphigenia call out their pleas, questions of whether their own parents still live in Greece after all this time. They're not Iphigenia's concerns just now, though. She has a plan. And so we are introduced to just the beginning of the main thrust of this play. Iphigenia's plan, she tells the stranger who holds so much information about her own family, those she hasn't seen in well over a decade, nearly two, quote, Would you be willing, if I saved your life, to take a message to my loved ones at Argos, a writing tablet inscribed for me by a captive who took pity on me once? She goes on to explain that it was inscribed by a man sacrificed who knew enough not to blame her for the laws of the gods that she's had no means of sending this letter back home, not for all this time, until now. At least, quote, But you are not ill-disposed to me, it seems, and you know Mycenae, you know the people that I mean. Iphigenia finishes by confirming, if he does this for her, she will ensure his own life is spared, and that the man he's with can die in his place instead. To which Orestes says very plainly, A good enough plan, save for the part where you are going to kill Pilates. Quote, 
I am the captain of this ship of catastrophes. He sails with me as a friend to my need. Instead, Orestes offers, why doesn't she give the letter to Pilates and he, Orestes, will take this sacrificial place so that his friend can live? Sure, Iphigenia is eager to confirm, like, what a good friend you are. Doesn't really matter to her who lives or dies so long as someone carries it back to Mycenae. Quote, I wish my one surviving brother were a man such as you. We'll do as you suggest, she confirms. Your friend will return my letter to Argos. Quote, and you shall die. A profound desire for this seems to possess you. Oh, Euripides, the man knows how to build that tension. I know I could and should be moving this play along like faster than I am, but these exchanges between Iphigenia and Euripides where we and the audience know who is talking to who and yet they just don't and are just keeping up this drama, like they are irresistible. The plan is confirmed. Iphigenia will ensure that Pilates' life is spared in return for him bringing this letter to her family back in Argos. And instead of Pilates dying, this other stranger will die. The other stranger who is, well, half of the remaining family for whom the letter is intended. But neither know who they are talking to, so it carries on. Orestes asks who will be the one to sacrifice him, and, well, Iphigenia confirms that it is she who holds that duty. And then we get ever more deeply into Euripidean goodness. When Iphigenia tells Orestes that it's her duty, and though she doesn't want it, she has to honor it, he says, quote, You, a female, kill men with a sword? And Iphigenia says, Well, no, but I do sprinkle the sacred water on your head. Then who's going to actually slaughter me? He asks. There are men inside. It's their job, she explains. And what about my burial? Iphigenia replies, quote, Sacred fire inside, then a wide chasm in the rock. Which just sounds really ominous in a deeply satisfying way. But it's got nothing on Orestes' reply. Quote, Ah, how I wish my sister's hand could lay me out. Euripides, my man, why are you so interesting? Iphigenia responds to this with a short speech. Quote, that is a pointless prayer, you poor man, whoever you are. She lives far away from this barbarian country. She goes on to comfort him, though, by saying that she will do what she can for him after his death, because he's Argive. Quote, I shall lay much ornament on your grave, anoint your body with yellow oil, and throw on your fire the flowery brightness of yellow bees. Iphigenia hopes to make him feel better. If his own sister can't be there to care for him after his death, then she'll do it. The tension. It is still building. But I also want to emphasize how heavily Iphigenia places the blame for the sacrifices, Orestes, and anyone else who's been killed in the past on herself. She said this to the audience before, that she doesn't actually hold the blade that sacrifices these unlucky Greeks, but it's clear that she takes full responsibility for sacrifices, for their deaths, that it is she who causes the deaths out of duty, though she doesn't even spill any blood. 
it's certainly meant to be examined alongside the other play that features her and the myth. Like, this girl was sacrificed by her own father, who did indeed hold the blade, who, when there is a version where blood is spilled, is certainly the one who does it. Agamemnon does kill her. He holds the real responsibility, and yet here is Iphigenia taking full responsibility for deaths that she does not control and she does not actually commit herself. It's just fascinating. And when she finishes comforting Orestes over his future burial, she directs the servants to guard the two men without binding them. That that is the least she can do, she says, while she returns to the temple to retrieve the letter that she's been waiting to give her family all this time. Before she goes inside, though, speaking almost to herself, Iphigenia notes, quote, I wonder if my news will come as a shock at Argos, whomever I send to, a shock of incredible joy to hear that the one they thought dead is alive. And so once she's left the stage and gone inside the temple, the chorus speaks to Orestes to tell him just how bad they feel about his fate. He doesn't want their pity, though, and Pilates doesn't want to hear that he's lucky and blessed to have his own life spared, not when he has to know that Orestes is going to die in his place. Shifting tone now, though, Orestes turns to his friend, wondering whether Pilates has similar questions to his own. Quote, Who is this young girl? He goes on to note how detailed her knowledge of the Greeks is, of the men who went to Troy, and how specific her questions were about Calchas and Achilles, about those fateful moments at Aulis. Quote, What pity she showed when she asked after poor Agamemnon, his wife, his children. He talks about how it's clear she's Argive herself, or she wouldn't be so interested in the fate of the city, let alone have a letter meant to be brought there. If she was an Argive, quote, she'd not be probing these matters in general as if she had some share in the fortunes of Argos. Pilates, though, has more pressing concerns. He does concede that the priestess does seem to know an awful lot about the royal house of Argos, but he reminds Orestes that, well, it's the royal family of Argos, and they're not exactly an unknown, like, obscure bunch. It's not that wild that she knows them. Besides, he says to his friend, I'm a bit more concerned with the idea of living when you have to die. Not only does he just, well, like, not want that to happen, but Pilates also fears the kind of reception that he'll have returning to Greece if that happens. They'll think him a criminal, he explains, that he betrayed his closest friend in order to save his own life. They'll think him a coward or worse, a murderer. And he reminds Orestes, and us, I suppose, because I absolutely didn't know that this was the case in this version, but, well, since I'm married to your sister, Electra, this doesn't exactly look good, he says. I stand to inherit the kingdom if you're dead. Instead, he tells Orestes he'd much rather die alongside his closest, dearest friend than return home without him. Orestes isn't having it. He won't make his friend die with him, not when there's another option. He's the one who's cursed, he reminds Pilates. It's he whose house is defiled, broken, and destroyed. He tells Pilates to return home, to have children with Electra and keep their family line alive. That's the only way his name can survive, and his famed ancestral home of Argos can avoid falling into others' hands. 
He instructs Pilates when he does return home to build him a funeral mound and a monument to have Electra mourn him as though his body is there before them, as it should be. And he tells Pilates to stay with Electra always, not to forsake her, even as their house has fallen apart. He says his goodbyes to Pilates, lamenting their fate, but thanking him for the years of devoted and wonderful friendship. Quote, Prophetic Apollo betrayed me and lied to me. He used a trick to drive me as far away from Greece as I could go, because he was ashamed of his own former prophecies. I'll give you your burial, Pilates tells him, and I will return to Electra. He tells Orestes that he will love his friend even more in death. Quote, Still the oracle of God has not yet destroyed you, though you stand right next to death. He reminds Orestes that he knows as well as anyone that things can change, even when they look divinely ordained. Quote, All it takes is luck. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. If Aganaya returns to the stage with Orestes basically cursing Apollo's word and saying it's pointless. When If rejoins them, she has the letter with her, but she's worried. She feels like the moment she hands over the letter, she's just sending it off into oblivion, never to have any answer or confirmation that it was ever even delivered. So she asks that Pilates swear an oath that he will bring the letter to her people in Argos. That's the best she can ask for confirmation. Orestes asks if she will swear her own oath in return, that she'll swear to let Pilates leave alive and safe. Of course, she agrees, such an oath is kind of required in order for him to fulfill the one she wants him to swear to her. <laughs> but Orestes wants confirmation that the king of the Torians will agree with this plan, that he'll go along with it. Iphigenia says he will, that she will convince him, and that she will put Pilates on the ship herself. And that's enough for Orestes. So he confirms to Pilates that he should swear her oath. And he asks Iphigenia, quote, dictate an oath that's properly pious. So she does. She asks Pilates to swear that he will give the letter to her loved ones and that she will help him safely pass the clashing rocks. She swears her oath to Artemis. It's Artemis, Iphigenia is priestess of. And Pilates swears his to Zeus as the king of the gods. He agrees that should he break his oath, may he never make it home. And she says similarly, if she fails in her own, may she never set foot in Argos. But Pilates realizes that they should account for at least one possibility, that if something happens to his ship and his only option is to save himself in the sea and that in doing that, you know, the letter is lost. Like in that case, can he be free of this oath? Hmm, Iphigenia thinks. I have an idea that should help us both. Ensure that we are both as successful as humanly possible. Quote, I'll tell you everything written in the folds of the letter. You can repeat it to my loved ones. That way we're safe. It's a backup plan, she thinks. That way, you know, should he have to save only himself, the message can still be conveyed. He agrees. That's more than reasonable. Quote, Tell me who is to receive the letter and what to say from you. 
I like to think if Iconia clears her throat before she begins to dictate the letter, it, it lends itself to the moment. Because gods, does Euripides know how to write a secret that's only a secret to his characters and yet manages to still hold the full weight of its impending reveal? If Iconia tells Pilates to give her message to Orestes, son of Agamemnon. And that message is, quote, The one slaughtered at Aulis sends you word, Iphigenia, who is alive, although at Argos they think otherwise. Orestes, the, the stranger to Iphigenia, who's also never said his own name aloud, obviously. It's really, it's hard to convey this narratively, but Orestes interrupts her message, obviously, to ask where Iphigenia is, if she's still alive. Has she returned from the underworld? She turns to him. I want to think that this is accompanied by, like, a glare. Quote, You're looking at her. Now stop interrupting. <laughs> and then she goes on. She continues her message, unknowing, completely unaware that she's just told her brother who she is, that they're both alive, and oops, she's just agreed to kill him. But until that's revealed, Iphikaniya believes she's dealing with an annoying man bent on not letting her speak. So she just continues with her message. The message is, well, it's a plea for her brother to come save her, to free her from the Torians and bring her home to Argos before she dies, to free her from this life and her role, quote, of slaughtering strangers for a goddess. At this, Orestes turns to Pilates and just says, quote, what shall I say, Pilates? Where in the world are we? Iphigenia, though, ignores him. She's not finished. The final line in her message is, quote, or I will become a curse on your house, Orestes. Which she follows by noting that Pilates should remember the name well enough since he's heard it twice now. Essentially, now don't forget, this message is for a man named Orestes. And Orestes just says, quote, Oh, gods. Iphigenia is annoyed. Why are you talking to the gods in the middle of my instructions? She chides. And he's just like, Oh, no reason. Sorry. Keep talking. Uh, just on the verge of a revelation of epic proportions. Like, but it's fine. I'll shut up. <laughs> and if I just continues, she explains what's happened to her. That Artemis saved her just before her father's blade came down upon her throat. How she was brought to this land. And then she says, that's it. That's my message. Oh, how easy it is to swear these oaths, Pilates says. I imagine him stifling some happy, awkward laughter before he adds, quote, I won't take long to fulfill my vow. And then he just turns to Orestes, who's standing right there, and he says, quote, behold, I bring you this letter from your sister, your sister, Orestes, right here. certain that if Euripides didn't straight up invent tragic comedy, then he was definitely the first person to, like, perfect that shit. Like, are you kidding me with this? <laughs> Iphigenia tells the two strange men what she believes is her life story. She's, she's worried her message will never get to her brother, that she will be stuck there forever. Her heart is in her throat. She's, she's sad and distraught and just so, like, entirely desperate. Like, this is her last ditch effort. And then... Pilates just kind of laughs and turns to the man she's been talking to this entire time and is like, hey, what do you know? Here's your sister. 
Like, Pilates is clearly the funny one in the friendship, though, and because Orestes is very serious when he replies that, like, he's so happy for the reveal. And he turns to Iphigenia and he says, he calls her his, his dear sister. He tells her that he's at a loss for words. He's just so happy. He wants to hug her. And she backs away from him, like, horrified, saying, like, he, you can't touch my sacred clothing. But Orestes persists, quote, Oh, my sister, born like me from Agamemnon, don't turn away. You're, you're holding the brother you never thought to hold again. This is too much for her, though, and, and gods, who could blame her? Like, this is a lot to take in. Iphigenia isn't getting it. She's just, she says it's impossible, like, that her brother is in Argos, obviously. So Orestes says, no, that's not where he is. He's getting somewhere, at least. Like, Iphigenia now asks him, Who's your mother? Is she the daughter of Tyndareus? Yes, he says, and my father is of the line of Pelops. Iphigenia wants clarity, though. She wants proof if he has it. Sure, he agrees. Ask me whatever you want about our father's home. Again, she's disbelieving. She wants him to tell her something before she tells him something. Okay, he tells her. Uh, Here, Uh, I first heard this from Electra. You've heard about the trouble between Atreus and Thyestes? Gods, who hasn't? That's my reply. But Iphicanaya just says yes, and she notes the golden lamb. Yeah, Orestes says. And you wove that fleece into a fabric. Iphicanaya replies, quote, Oh, dear one, you come very close to my own heart. Orestes goes on, though. He's happy to assure her as much as she needs. You also wove an image of the sun turning in its course. I did, she confirms, everything slowly but surely becoming clearer. They speak of Aulis, how she was ritually cleansed, but there was no marriage to follow it. They speak of locks of hair. Very intentionally, that is the source of such a similar reveal in Euripides' Electra. But Orestes is still happy to give her further proof of his identity. He tells her about the ancient spear of Pelops. It's in their family home. He says it's hidden in her old bedroom. And this is enough. This is the full and complete reveal. Finally, they sing and cry. They embrace. They're just, they're both so happy, so relieved. Like, not only to have found each other after so long, but under such circumstances. They speak of their families. The bad luck. Iphigenia knows it well. She learned how unlucky she was the moment their father put a blade to her throat, when there was no promised wedding to Achilles, and instead just tears and lament. Orestes, for his part, he's kind of nice about this. He understands why she would feel a certain way about their father. Though Iphigenia says, quote, He was no father to me. Still, things look different now through some god-sent stroke of luck. Uh, Orestes basically replies before noting, like, Gods, imagine if you'd murdered your brother. <laughs> Iphigenia knows too well that she could have, that, that she was fully ready to do it, that she... Has it in her to have sacrificed this man who, whoops, he's her brother. But now, now she has to find a way of saving him. Quote, What means will I find to send you away from violent death in a foreign land to our home in Argos before the blood sword descends on you? She begins theorizing a plan. Should he go by land or sea? Land is certainly dangerous where they are in the world beyond the Greek one. There's a lot of people who could hurt him. And the sea is dangerous too. Like those clashing rocks are known way too well. 
<sighs> Quote, What god or mortal or miracle will find a way where there is no way and show two lone offspring of Atreus their exit from evils? <laughs> <laughs> nerds, nerds, nerds. I fucking love Euripides so much. Like, as usual, I hadn't actually read this play before, or if I, you know, if I did, it was like over a decade ago. So I've forgotten. But reading it now, that fucking reveal was so good. Like, I actually laughed out loud so hard when I got to Pilates' line of like, well, this'll be easy. Like, here, Orestes, here's a letter from your sister who's uh, standing right there. Like, Euripides is a tragedian, yes, but what I love about him more than any of the others is that he recognizes that there are moments when comedy can be just as impactful as tragedy, or, like, even more so. <sighs> the man was an entertainer, and I love him for it. What a fucking play. Next week, the finale of this play, which I am told is basically a dramatic escape slash caper of some kind. I'm pretty excited. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, this has been an absurdly difficult couple of months for me, honestly, um, for countless reasons. But hearing from all of you how much you enjoy the show, just, it really keeps me going. Spotify Wrapped just happened last week, and it makes my day every year. It's just it's, it's so fucking nice hearing from all of you. For real, I just I really love it so much, and I'm so grateful for all of you. So if you shared your Spotify Wrapped with me. Thank you. Really, thank you so much. I mean, if you message me anytime, a huge thank you as well. But, <sighs> and as always, let's end the episode with a reading of a five star review by one of you amazing listeners. I'm really, just like earlier, I'm so fucking thankful for all of these reviews. Like, they not only just mean a hell of a lot to me and they remind me, you know, that what I'm doing is something that people really enjoy and find value in, but they also help to grow the show and to like keep it going strong enough to continue paying the bills. So if you are so inclined, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can review anything. A nice little five-star rating on Spotify is lovely too, uh, even if there is, you know, nothing for me to read. <laughs> this review comes from a user called Baylor J in the States. Hilarious and educational. After listening for a long time, I am finally caught up to all the episodes. So much so that I listened to the show for 13,000 minutes in 2023. So worth it. Liv and all her guests bring a fun and modern perspective to ancient mythology and history. If you want to learn but have fun while doing it, then this is the show for you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, also, God's 13,000 minutes of is just it's so much of my voice. You are wonderful for doing that. Thank you. But also just really especially like ones like these like I just feel like you get what I want to be doing and I'm so glad that I am succeeding in whatever way let's talk about myths babies written and produced by me Liv Albert Michaela Smith is the Hermes to my Olympians my assistant producer Laura Smith is now the production assistant and audio engineer no relation by the way just total coincidence select music in this episode was by Luke Chaos the podcast is part of the iHeart Podcast Network listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts help me continue bringing you the world of Greek mythology and the ancient Mediterranean by becoming a patron where you will get bonus episodes and more visit patreon.com slash myths baby or click the link in this episode's description i am live and like 
I just, I don't know what I wouldn't give for a time machine to just go hang out with Euripides and like pick his brain. The man is a god. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.